Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. And I'm Pete Wright, brother of Thor. Ah, now I can't even pull it off. (laughs) Today, we're talking about Minute 7, which begins with Loki grabbing Clint and ends with Fury trying to talk Loki down. Back on the show, it's Kathy Campbell, Relay FM's community manager. Hello! Kathy! Hello! Thank you for having me back! Uh, We are thrilled to chat more about this big scene uh, with you. And things kick off right away uh, with Loki uh, taking Clint. Now, my question for you is, how does Loki get here? Uh, I know he had kind of had that big leap to take some soldiers down, but we were just in a wide shot at the very start of this minute. And uh, we see Clint laying on the ground, slowly getting up, and some people getting up. Loki's nowhere to be seen. So does he do another uh, flying leap to come and grab Clint? Do either of you have any thoughts on that? Oh, I have thoughts. Uh, oh, thoughts, so about. The crane, the crane shot doesn't show Loki in the bottom part. So he probably already started walking or running and the time it would take for him to get from there to Clint is easily in that time. I could run that time and I'm not <laughs> okay. a runner. So like, yeah. Oh yeah. Totally doable. Gotcha. Okay. Pete. Yeah. Look at he split motion blur. I, we didn't see it cause he's so fast. Cause he's, yeah. he's so fast. Zoom. Well, and he can, and he can make himself disappear as we saw in Thor. He can yeah. hide his, his right. place. So maybe he did a little bit he of just that. just showed up there. Right. Just showed yeah. up. Now, I brought this up in the last minute because I have a question. He grabs Clint and he's holding him and he says, you have heart. And then he that's the decision point for him to say, you know what, I'm going to now, instead of just pew-pewing you, I'm going to touch the scepter to you and, you know, without him realizing probably what he's doing, but the Mind Stone is inside and he is able to basically take Clint. He, he possesses Clint or the Mind Stone possesses him so that Clint is working for him now. Why Clint? What was it about Clint that made him say, you have heart, as opposed to, like I said, the guy yesterday who gets up three times to take him on? I mean, we we like I mentioned in the last episode, he's standing next to Fury. You know, he's important. So Loki also knew, oh, this is a guy that's important. And I think Thanos also came in up. Thanos the Loki, I would like you to please uh, stick the pew pew staff on his heart. Uh, Not too hard. Make some sort of. Not too hard. Not stabbing him. We're not stabbing. We're just going to touch it because I need him. We know he's Hawkeye, even though, yes, 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 Loki, I know he does not have his bow and arrows. It's still Hawkeye, I promise. Okay, just yeah. do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's that, I like it, that this a, another old <laughs> SNL skit. You, hey, you. I know you. I know. No, you're not mad at him. You're not mad at him. <laughs> just touch the staff to his chest. Yeah. <laughs> I do wonder what he means by "you have heart." Like, what is it that Loki's able to see about Clint that makes him realize that Loki's going to be as useful as the other non-people that he's taken uh, uh, with him to join Team Loke and Eric Selvig. So here's an interesting thing that I just was thinking about. So the Mind Stone, when he takes, uh, for example, Selvig, as he will, we're not going to know this really until uh, later films, but 
Selvig's mind, he said, was opened up to like other dimensions and stuff, like was greatly expanded. Clint's probably too. And so if there is this element of Loki being kind of partly taken by the Mind Stone by Thanos to kind of run this whole mission, perhaps he now kind of has some extra sensory abilities where he's able to see, you know, I I see more in you than all of these other schlubs running around. I see this great potential in the things that you're able to do. And so I want you on my side. So maybe that's it, even though it's never really clearly spoken. But uh, I I would buy into that. I wonder, too, if so with the exception of the one staff member, um, the people that Loki like turns or whatever kind of have had some sort of connection to Asgard and to Asgardians. Yeah. So I wonder if there's not necessarily like a highway, but like a back road that the Mind Stone can follow to get into the brain and see so it's a little bit easier to like manipulate or Loki looked at the call sheet and said, Oh, Jeremy Renner's here. So he's important. <laughs> I can't get fury. He's, you know, over there, but let's get Hawkeye. Yeah, instead. I need some more uh, above the line budget players. Yes, like, yes, we're going to yes. start high. <laughs> yeah. That would have been great uh, you know, to start throwing in meta references right now. Right. You're number six on the call sheet. Breaking <laughs> the fourth you. wall. I love it. That's, that's a very low key thing to do. And Loki winks <laughs> right in camera. <laughs> Absolutely. We don't get that till She-Hulk rolls around, but Loki would be perfect at it as well. Right. Oh, my gosh. Such a good show. <laughs> She's very funny. Now, famously, Jeremy Renner did not like the fact that he signed up to be this hero and then instantly gets his <laughs> mind possessed by the villain and becomes a villain for the bulk of the film. And I don't either because I always liked Hawkeye as one of like the, the comic characters that I actually followed in the comics. And so having him instantly, <laughs> this is what we get from him right away is, oh, he's just working for Loki now. I kind of it kind of bugged me. Um, and so I'm on J Jeremy Renner's side with that. But to your point, yeah. Loki needs some big people on his side for a little while. So I guess this is why we're getting him, right? And also, this is a way that you know that he can, uh, Hawkeye's going to stay alive for a little bit. So, like, he's not going to get killed off in the first 10 minutes. Right. Like, a lot of guards just did. Or, I guess, seven, seven minutes. Let's say, like, the other S.H.I.E.L.D. personnel that he could have turned that would have made an impact sort of narratively on the Avengers, right? Black Widow. Right. He could have that Black Widow could have been the that wouldn't have been because Scarlett Johansson, we've known for several movies now and uh, might be too important. Um, but who else would have made the same kind of impact, but not have been too much of a loss? Maria Hill, like there's someone else he, he could have taken. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Renner was was the uh, Renner was written for it. Like there's he was made this this character in this particular story is the only one that, that could have made the same kind of impact, especially because he hasn't had as much of an impact with the other Avengers because yeah. they don't know uh, him yet. Yeah. And he has a connection with Black Widow, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Which we so don't know makes, yet. We right. don't know anything yeah. about that yet. Right. But like we looking at this from, you know, a director, producer, writer standpoint, it makes sense. You have a, a star, someone who people know from the comics, they know Hawkeye's going to be an Avenger. So, ooh, what if we make him not an Avenger? 
he's part of the bad guy. Let's put a twist on it that the comic fans, which we all know comic book fans really love and enjoy changes to their canon. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure that they all really appreciated this, this opportunity to expand their ideas of what the story would look like. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. No, that's a big hit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Although Mm -hmm. I, you know, I do think that, um, you know, that doing this with Loki, I think the risk that they take in this, in, in just going down this road is to your point, not only just angering people who are legit fans, but also not having the emotional impact that they expect this turn to have. And while it works for me narratively to have him brainwashed and be a part of the team, particularly the attack on the helicarrier, which we're going to talk about in like six years, um, all of that <laughs> stuff really works for me. Like, I just like that as an action beat, even though I get it, Renner as an actor, you know, would have preferred to have been team avengers the whole time i totally under you know understand that the the actual the way it plays out for me i think actually plays for the film well and you know there have been plenty of times in the history of the comics where any particular hero had been turned in some capacity by a villain to be doing bad things it's not it's not new in a comic book story for a hero to suddenly be villainous yeah only to have a reveal happen later like oh this is why that happened but there's still a hero and to a certain extent this does kind of line up i mean i can't say for sure if that ever happened to hawkeye in the comics i wouldn't be surprised though and so to that extent it does feel very comic booky to to take your character and basically have them possessed by the bad guy and i think it also adds a layer of importance to hawkeye as a character for people that don't know the comics because you're going to have all of these avengers coming in some that you've met before some that you don't and you are more interested in him because you don't know any you don't know that he's hawkeye especially if yeah. you haven't seen thor and then this is your introduction to him. Yeah, it's not, you know, the best woo hero vibe, but it does make sense when the story goes along that you're like, oh, this was a, uh, this made a bigger impact or potentially a bigger impact to the story as a whole. And I suppose in the context of trying to do this team film where you have a lot of characters that you're that you have in the sandbox at the same time that you have to somehow give them all enough time so they feel like they're actually part of it yeah if you had him if this hadn't happened and hawkeye was with fury and all the heroes that just means anytime we're with the heroes there's even less time for him in those particular scenes right or more time that's having to get split between everybody so now by splitting him into the villain camp it's you're suddenly in the situation where well he can have a little bit more of a of conversations with loki because he kind of becomes loki's right-hand man for a, a particular period of the of time in the film and that allows him to have more play than he may have Uh, if he had just been with the good guys the whole time. And it also adds a dynamic to the villain to have a right-hand man that you don't really know who he is other outside of, like, him. he's just turned. So, okay, he has to make his friends along the way. But, like, it makes those scenes a little bit more interesting and, and exposition that comes in the future of... Loki explaining a little bit of kind of what he's doing. It makes more sense than if it's his buddy that tagged along in the pew pew like zoomy machine 
that he then has his, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, accomplice with him. And then they're like, oh, we better not attack Thor yet. We're waiting for X, Y, Z. Like by having him someone that doesn't know the overall plan for the audience to see that exposition and whatever storytelling is going to happen, it kind of makes it feel more natural. For sure. So there's a lot of reasons and and it does make sense, even if for somebody who's a Hawkeye fan, it might be frustrating. And yeah, until they've listened to this minute and realized until they, uh, the sun has like, come oh, up on Loki like, or on uh, Hawkeye the villain. They're like, oh, okay. Uh, Jeremy Renner, uh, I think he's listening from his hospital bed right now. He's like, oh, okay. It all makes yeah. sense now. And yeah. he's okay with it. The one the one challenge I have from the very beginning of this minute, the production design is all great, but when all these wide shots of the NASA hangar that we've you know, we've talked about in minutes past, how great the location is, this bunker looks fantastic, this giant vacuum chamber that is a real NASA facility. Um the problem is there's a lot of like electronics on fire. Nobody is having any any signs of headaches or or disgusting smells. And that I, I find really triggering. People should be <laughs> should be really dealing with some with some ventilation issues that are not happening in this facility. I mean, there so uh, we know the sound design is very like great and and they have pulled out so that there is more silence in there. You can't hear the fans that automatically go off when there's fire. <laughs> like there's right? full ventilation. There's, this is a NASA location. They know ventilation is important. In chemical fire. They had experience. <laughs> they know what happens when there's fire. They know how to deal with it. So they're gonna have all of the precautions. Shield must have turned I mean, it all off. That sounds like something Shield would do. Totally really. it gets in the way yeah. of our space science. Yeah. <laughs> it's not aesthetic. Right. It's right. right. Exactly. It's like taking off the lifeboats of the Titanic. Exactly. Th- that's what's happening here. Exactly. Well, that might be your issue, Pete. My issue is how does Nick manage to hold the Tesseract? I mean, I know it's only for like three seconds or so yes. as he's moving it from the one container to the briefcase, but we've seen what happens when people pick up the Tesseract, and it's not good. It just kind of singes his hand a little bit is what it seems. And he kind of like... Yeah, I think I, he didn't even really say, ow. Like, it, no, he it's just a little kind of, bit of a... But come on. Red Skull dissolved. Yeah, it's like it's like picking up dry ice real quick. I have the answer. I'm ready. I have the answer. Are you ready? Oh, Are you ready? Yeah. He read the script. <laughs> oh, no. oh, oh, Kathy. Another meta moment. Yeah. This yep. is a whole See, rewrite we're doing here. I know. <laughs> <'cause> whole rewrite. <laughs> it's Nick Fury. Freaking Tesseract isn't going to hurt him. Just an alien cat is going to hurt him in the past that we <laughs> yeah, learned about in the future. Yeah. Well, that's it's funny that you say that. that because I feel like there is an element from Captain Marvel where perhaps in his interactions with the Tesseract and the cat and all that sort of stuff, somehow it all made it okay for him to now interact with the Tesseract in this way. Yep. I don't yep. know. Or he has magic. Oh, I mean, he is wearing gloves. He is, but so was so was Red Skull. Yeah, but he's magic <laughs> gloves. Okay, these are magic NASA gloves. They're not blue, so I can understand the confusion that you wouldn't see that they're like alien technology. But in the lid of that magical little like pelican case, there's a glove that you pull out that is a hold the Tesseract glove. I love that. Okay. 
Red Skull didn't know about it. Well, they hadn't invented because it because he's a Nazi, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> Um, and and so he knew that he needed to wear that glove before he could put it into the pelican case and take it out. I love if it. If the title of this episode isn't "Yeah, but Magic NASA Gloves," we're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's so funny because uh, he does kind of like his his face. I mean, it looks like he just picked up some dry ice and was putting it down. That's basically the way it plays. Yeah, I mean, because it is. You can see the little smoke coming there's a little yeah, bit of dry ice on the thing i'm sure i'm sure it's actual dry ice not a smoke machine because it's <laughs> right, vaporish that's, exactly right. that's right. what that's what they had on set exactly yep, yep so okay now how does this interaction play so we see loki he's uh, while fury is doing this loki has possessed one of the shield agents and tr- fury tries to slip away very casually and then loki stops him and has that please don't Please don't. Uh, and the little conversation between the two of them, <laughs> which, uh, it, I mean, it's an interesting conversation. I like the exchange that they have here. And uh, Loki has that. This is where he says who he is. I am Loki of Asgard. You get a great shot of Eric Selvig having that moment of realization. He never actually saw Loki in the first film, but or in the first Thor film, but certainly talked about him enough with Thor. And so hearing that triggers him to have that line, which cracks me up to no end when when uh, Selvig stands up and says, Loki, brother of Thor? And Loki just gives that <laughs> look. Selvig like, God damn it, like I that. can't get away from this guy anywhere. I can't even get to <laughs> Earth and get away from my brother. What the heck? Amazing. <laughs> it is like, possibly one of my favorite moments in the entire film is that look on Tom Hiddleston's face when, when Eric calls that out. <laughs> well, and like, if he's he's heard about Loki, why would he not realize the family drama here like that's we know selvig is not exactly the most like socially aware person right for things but like you don't mention the bad guy's brother that you know they have a terrible relationship with you he's probably watched movies read books any sort of narrative commentary you don't mention the bad guy's brother yeah, I mean, he knows in, in the Thor movie, Loki sent the Destroyer to Earth to kill Thor. So right. there's kind of, I guess you could say bad blood between them. So, mm-hmm. yeah, calling it out right here may not have been the best plan for Eric, yeah. but it makes me laugh. Now, what do you two think of Loki when he says, I'm Loki of Asgard and I am burdened with glorious purpose? How does that play for the two of you? I mean, it's very Loki. <laughs> I don't know how to say anything else than brilliant. Like, yeah. I, these are the lines that I show up for from Loki. Like, burdened with glorious purpose. Like, that is legit Loki canon, and I am here for it. Yeah. And it also helps track with the idea that Thanos is in his head and telling him what to do. And he's like, uh Daddy Thanos is making me come and take over the world. It's such a burden that I shall bear because I'm flipping Loki and I will do what I need to do. But isn't this glorious? Bow down to me. Right. All this work that I have to go through to be ruler of Earth. It's like, shouldn't it be easier? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. It's it's a great line. The one the one other thing that I I catch with it though when he's saying it though is is how sweaty he is, which makes me ask: it, did is it just the exertion of running around killing everybody? Is the is the scepter when it's blasting people? Is it really hot, or is the teleportation process was that really hot? Like, why is he so sweaty here? 
Well, he has been leaping about quite a bit. And he got <laughs> shot in the face. Right. Oh. That can that can make a make a guy sweat. And I feel like the Pew Pew has that same power of the Tesseract, so it's like the dry ice essence going through mm. him. There is a physiological but, response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we like looking at Tom Hiddleston all wet. <laughs> Alternative. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel think, like that I, came up yeah. a lot in the Thor season. Like more yeah, of that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> more of him. I I do think this is this is one of those great moments. Like we talk about hero moments uh, a lot in the entire series. Like with the I could do this all day, or you know, I all all of those things. Later, we get to on your left. We get to you know, we get to all all kinds of the big hero moments. This is a I am Iron Captain Man. Captain America. Yeah. I am Iron Man. Yeah. Right. This is a villain moment. Right. Like this is a great line from a villain, and we haven't talked about many like serious villain moments uh you know over the course of the series because there's so many hero moments but the i am burdened with glorious purpose is like that's meme worthy for loki just like yeah. i could do this all day is for cap so i i think it's fantastic we also didn't talk about the layers of leather that he's probably wearing and i don't remember <laughs> where this hanger is but i'm guessing they probably don't have air conditioning because the fires are still going and so like it's it's not taken care of and i feel like the the temperature change from space to the nasa hangar is probably significant and even as guardians can't balance that that temperature change right so you know it's got to come out somehow <laughs> and if sure. anyone's ever worn a full multi-layered leather garment you know the sweat's gonna come it's it's yeah it's gonna be there absolutely well, at the very end of this minute, uh, so so Fury has this moment once he realizes that this, this is an alien. It's finally been revealed. It's it's Loki, and he's from Asgard, and he starts saying something. We'll have to talk about it with our guest tomorrow. But what I wanted to just um, just talk to you both about real quick is we get this low angle shot of Nick Fury as he's delivering his line, and it's low angle so that we can see all the way back to the back of the chamber above in that big domed space above kind of the platform where loki arrived and we see this blue swirling energy i can't help but feel like we're getting kind of the the checkoffs swirling energy here because it's yeah. like the shot is so set up in a way to reveal this blue swirling energy it's like oh i guess something's gonna happen there's this hey! power hey! yeah it's like yeah. hey we're look up behind here you, look behind you look behind you look behind you another pew pew because <laughs> it's blue it's blue. So you know it's, it's glowing. It's, yeah, yeah, swirling up in this in this in the space above. It's interesting. I I just found it interesting that we saw it when it started coalescing when he was arriving. This is the first time, though, in a few minutes where we've had a reminder that hey, this energy is still swirling up above. And I just want to call that out because it's important to remember that this will be certainly a heavy plot point coming in the next couple minutes this week. Any other thoughts about uh, anything going on in this move uh, in this minute? I, I am excited to hear what you all say tomorrow because the idea that Fury is going to try and like talk down this guy <laughs> who just came and like murdered everybody and transitioned people to his side, like, calm down now, calm down, like, <laughs> right, Mr. Right, right. Mr. Loki, let's we have, no let's have a with you, conversation really? about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how well that goes no it'll make yeah. for an interesting conversation for sure and i'm curious to see how the rest of this 
Uh, just I, like, how is it going to play out? What's going to happen? Who else What's is Loki gonna going to What's going to happen next? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. No, they're setting it. They're setting it up well, and that's what I like about yeah. this whole play with Loki coming in, killing a bunch of people until until he's kind of got control of the room, and then basically mind wiping people to have him, have them join him. It's an interesting setup for our villain at this point. So I'm curious to see where it's going to go. So they, you know, in in the context of a story <laughs> setup, we're you know we're doing good Pretty so far. Great. Yeah. Especially to to set up the multi multiple levels of characters to come and the idea that this is going to be a more complex story than maybe previous ones have come. Yeah, for sure. Actually, here's a question for you that I have, Kathy, that um, I don't know, this just rose. Um, when we started this season, we start with a couple minutes in space and talking with the other who is the voice that we hear talking about the Tesseract and its power and everything and the Chitauri army and all this sort of um, craziness before we arrive here at um, at the S.H.I.E.L.D. compound. Did you remember any of that stuff at the very beginning or in your head? Did you go, oh, it all starts kind of with Loki arriving and and the big and him kind of take, <laughs> trying to get the Tesseract? Because we were debating yeah. with ourselves. Did we even remember that this happened? No I idea. didn't remember it. at at all and even now when you're saying that and explaining it I was like did that what (laughs) what it feels very much like a cold open in a television show yeah of like oh hey we're gonna let you know this is a space movie we've got aliens here like let's do all of this it also the the conversations around the Tesseract and stuff and that we know spoiler uh you know is going to be part of the infinity stones and like all of the larger story. I always have wondered if this idea of the infinity stones was always in play and, or if the Tesseract was a a specific thing that they created and then retroactively affected it to be part of a larger story, similar to like the pirates of of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, I kind of wondered that, too, only because it feels to me like this movie, when seeing it, it was reacting safely to a narrative that may not be able to play out, but could stand alone as like the climax of this five movie, like or six movie series and uh, might not like what if they hadn't figured out how to do the rest of the saga like this movie could have been kind of an ending. uh, Yeah. And they were playing it a little bit safe. Yeah, right, right. So. Especially since they're both blue. Yeah. Shiny things. Everything's blue. Everything's blue. At this point, it felt like they were just going to make keep making blue things. I mean, even mm-hmm. in Thor, there was the uh, casket of ancient winter, which was a big blue box, which looked just like the Tesseract. Yeah. It confused me until I started doing this show. I'm like, oh, it is something totally different. I didn't even, don't think I even caught that. So it's funny. Like, they just really love blue at this point. They hadn't. So much blue. Yeah, they hadn't quite figured it out. But Maybe they watched Twilight. <laughs> we're inspired so much blue that's all so the pacific good. northwest so, that's right that's, that's triggering we just yeah. did a whole series on those movies we just yes, oh we my did. gosh <laughs> i did. did too mine were called the incomprehensible and we played drinking games yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right it went as well as you would expect <laughs> oh that's so great so so great Yes, absolutely. That's what you, that's Too what funny. they uh, they need for sure. Curses, Andy. Yes. We should have had more booze in our episodes. Uh, yeah, we hundred percent should have. Live and learn, right? 
to listen to the incomprehensibles, visit the incomparable.com and become a member because they're members only because there's lots of naughty words that are said. Mm, naughty words. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, this is a good point. Let's, so, so tell everybody. So about that and what other sorts of things that uh, people can hear you? Where, where can people find you out there? Yeah, you can, I mean, for one simple link to remember, you can go to kathycampbell.com, which links out to all of the things that I do, but I do several podcasts. Um, I do the agents of smooch over on the uncomparable, um, where we talk <laughs> about romance, uh, and part of the things that we do for members shows, uh, not only do we, uh, drink and watch movies, but we also play some D and D that's romance related on all sorts of fun because the world needs more love. Uh, and then I also do a show called Dragon Mount, which talks about the Wheel of Time television show on Amazon Prime Video. We've also been lucky enough to interview several cast and crew members and just recently uh, published an episode where we talked to Rafe Judkins, uh, the showrunner for the Wheel of Time. Wow, uh, and then nice. over on Relay FM, I am the community manager, but I'm also do two shows there, Roboism with my buddy Alex Cox, where we talk about robots and tech and isms, and it usually comes all around to capitalism is bad. And then <laughs> <laughs> I also do Conduit. Spoiler alert. God, Spoiler alert. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I got to, you know, let you know what you're getting into. <laughs> it's very heavy handed. Uh, but then I also do a fortnightly show with my buddy Jay Miller called Conduit, where we talk about productivity, but in, re- in the real life and real world and how life doesn't happen perfectly and how to get through the hard times, how to get through the difficult times, tricks and tips to make your ADHD brains possibly work a little bit. Uh, but it also serves as an accountability show. So we uh, have things called connection checks where for two weeks you work on something, just one thing, one goal for the next two weeks. And then uh, our audience tells us about them and how it goes. And then we set another one for the next fortnight. And so it's kind of a fun little community we have over there uh, of conductors as what we call them that is fantastic it's a great show you and jay uh great great show love it and you you. know it fits for anyone who listens to other stuff that i do we do the taking control adhd podcast and we've we have we have shilled in our community that they need to go check out conduit too so it's it's worth it if you you. if you're on the neurodiversity spectrum and just need a little bit of need a little bit of juice even if you're not yeah and, and yeah and would like a little some ideas on how to you know work with your own brain because, yeah. yeah, it's a little bit of, of everything all rolled into one. And a great community. We love all of our conductors. They're pretty sure. amazing. That is so awesome. We'll have links for everything in the show notes. Uh, so check all that out, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow uh, to talk to another guest. I believe, Pete, we're bringing Tommy Handsome in. Uh, Tommy right. Metz the third for He's something other credits than credits. Ringer. He's the credits oh, ringer. He's crazy. not allowed to come early. <laughs> It's, it's, it's quite a surprise. Well, like I Last said, time. we're shaking things up this season. Maybe you have watched more of the movie this time. <laughs> well, you know, it's a good thing we're picking <laughs> early minutes. He's only had to watch eight, eight, nine minutes of the film. So as long as he's oh watched the first gosh. ten, we'll be okay. <laughs> oh, Kathy, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for these two episodes. We had such fun talking with you. So much fun. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Kathy. And we will be back tomorrow with Minute 8. So, Pete, thanks as always. Let go of that ice, people. (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Pew, pew. 
Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yapo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show.